Welcome to season two of the Latinx Kid Lit Book Festival. We hope you enjoy this panel discussion. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at Latinx Kid Lit Book Festival. Leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platforms to help us improve with each season. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the 2021 Latinx Kid Lit Book Book Festival. I'm Angela Dominguez, and I will be moderating today's panel, A Thousand Words, The Power of a Picture Book. Before we begin, please read our anti-harassment policy in the chat box. And now let me introduce our amazing panelists. First, we have Hilda E. Burgos. Hilda's debut book, the middle grade novel, Ana Maria Reyes Does Not Live in a Castle, was recognized as an ALA notable children's book and received two star reviews. Her second middle grade novel, Mi Sostis Flores Never Forgets, released in October. The Caught in the Living Room, illustrated by Gabby D. Alessandro, is her first picture book. Next, we have Jackie Asua Kramer. Jackie is an internationally translated children's author with a master's in counseling and education. A 2017 and 2021 Bank Street Best Children's Book of the Year recipient. A Junior Library Guild selection for Dorothy and Herbert, a Parents Magazine book pick for I Wish You Knew, and the Boy and the Gorilla winner of the 2021 SCBWI Crystal Kite. Next, we have Martha Magellan. Martha Magellan was born in Brazil and has written award-winning nonfiction children's books about animals with positive reviews from School Library Journal, Family Magazine, and others. A former English professor at Miami-Dade College, she taught creative writing, composition, and a survey of children's literature. Many of her books have been written in collaboration with her brother, illustrator Mario Magellan. Aida Salazar. Aida Salazar is an arts activist, translator, and author of multiple award-winning middle grade verse novels. The, no the Moon Within and The Land of the Cranes. Her other books include The Picture Books and The Spirit of a Dream, 13 Stories of Immigrants of Color, and Jovita Wore Pants, The Story of a Mexican Freedom Fighter. The novel A Seed in the Sun and the anthology Calling the Moon, period stories by BIPOC authors. Aida is a founding member of Las Musias. And finally, myself, um, I'm an author and illustrator of several books for children. I've also won the Bodo Illustration Honor and a winner of the Sid Fleischman Award from SCBWI. My most notable works include the Stella Dia series, Mango Abuelani, written by Meg Medina, and Maria Had a Little Llama. My latest picture book is I Love You, Baby Burrito. <laughs> now to begin, um, I would love for you all to share a little bit about your book. And Jackie, would you like to go first? Yes, I'd love to. But before I start, I do have to say a shout out, bienvenidos, and welcome to talk uh, to all of you at this second annual Latinx Book Lit Festival. I'm honored to be here with all of you, Aida, Marta, Hilda, and Angela. And 
a special, special shout out to the team at Las Musas um, who put this again, El Segundo Espectaculo Kidlet Latinx Book Festival. So yay to that team. So, um, <laughs> so I wish you knew, illustrated by Magdalena Mora um, and the um, Spanish edition, Ojalá Supieras, um, translated by my lovely panelist over here, Aida Salazar, um, is about a little girl, Estrella, whose uh, father um, gets deported. And she wishes um, everyone knew how much she misses him and how it affects her at school and at home. Uh, the story also explores um, divided families, um, homelessness and food insecurity, and um, the importance of meaningful connections at school. Um, the heart of the story was um, my own father's immigrant journey from Ecuador and um, the emotional cost that he paid um, and the courage that it took for him to leave his family and his country to come here to start a new life for himself, um, very much like Estrella's father. And um, probably all of us in this country have a very similar um, immigrant story. So yes, that's it. Wonderful. Uh, Martha, would you like to go next? Arda, TA, Marta. Yeah. Yes, um, I, my book is called Flying Jewels, A Hummingbird Story. And it is nonfiction. It's a true account of the migration of one, a ruby-throated hummingbird. Uh, it's beautifully illustrated by my brother. And I don't say that just because he's my brother. Uh, it really is lovely with lots of flowers, of course, because hummingbirds go for the flowers. And um, it, is a true account. Everything in it does happen to hummingbirds all over the country. Okay, great. Um, Hilda, would you like to go next? Sure, thank you. Um, so my picture book is The Cotton in the Living Room right here. And it is about a young girl whose parents babysit a lot of children whose families have to work the overnight shift. So my main character goes from first being jealous of the kids because she thinks that this is really cool that they get to sleep in this cool cot in her living room while she's stuck in her own boring little room with her snoring sister. But then she gets to sleep in the cot one night and she realizes that things aren't as great as she thought they were for these kids. And so she goes from jealousy to empathy. Okay, great. Um, and Ida, would you like to go next? Sure. So this is my book. It, it's our book. It's called In the Spirit of a Dream, 13 Stories of American Immigrants of Color. And it is an anthology in the sense that uh, 13 different immigrant or children of immigrants um, illustrated this book. And I was the sole writer on it. I wrote um, we selected 13 incredible immigrants, some famous and not so famous. Um, and I wrote a poem for each person with a biography in, in biography form. So 
this is what it is. It's 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 remarkable because no no page is the same. No, you know, the styles are all so different. And it's a I call it an immigrant powered book. And it's it's um, of course speaks to the 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 American dream, but not so much the American dream, but more of the resilience of people to rise above. Um, conditions that that are pretty difficult, especially for for people of color who come to the United States because they don't come from privileged or first world countries, and and often they come unwanted, and so um, so it's it's a tribute to their being able to rise above their their circumstances and to achieve what what they want to be. Great. Um, and my book, I Love You, Baby Burrito, which I also illustrated, was uh, a fun collaboration between me and my editor. She had this idea of uh, writing a book about swaddling a baby and thinking about how it often looks like a burrito and thinking about when I was a kid and my um, my brother would wrap me up and I'd be like, wrap me up like a burrito. And it just wanted to do something really playful and fun. And uh, it is... Uh, bilingual uh, with very simple phrases in Spanish. Uh, growing up, I struggled with um, speech, so I had to take speech classes until third grade. And so um, I, because of that, I didn't speak as much Spanish as I would have liked, but I understood it perfectly. So I love making books that kind of give that introductory taste into Spanish to either promote it with native speakers or show how amazing it is to be able to speak two languages. So uh, for our next question, um, what do you love most about writing picture books and why this form? Uh, uh, Aida, do you want to go first? Sure. Uh, well, you know, there's a magic that you kind of have to um, strive for. Um, I'm a poet. And so as a poet, one of, one of the rules of poetry is economy of words, right? And you have to really kind of fit um, as much meaning into as few words as possible. And I love that challenge. And I love being able to play with language and, and make up words. And these are all things that I think would lend themselves really ha happily to picture books. And no matter, you know, if it's fiction or nonfiction. And so um, that's that's what I love about it, being able to play, be pay playful with the language, being able to, you know, work inside the poet's space and, and have fun with it. That's great. Uh, let's see. Martha, do you want to go next? Yeah. Um, I, I write picture books that show something about nature that I think is wonderful and important. And I like being able to reach the young children, the youngest children. And that's what picture books are all about. Great. Uh, Jackie? So a funny story. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to cut out the newspaper, the Sunday comics, and then I would write my own story underneath them. <laughs> so I think it was destiny that I write picture books. But um, I studied theater in college. Um, so picture books to me are in a way the closest that you're going to get to a theatrical experience. I'm a visual storyteller. And so every page turn is almost like the curtain rises and now you have these characters and costumes and setting and tension and um, i think that picture books have that ability 
like theater, like a great theatrical experience to have that kind of resonance with the reader. And um, yeah, so that's why I love cooking books. Okay, uh, Hilda? Yeah, so I write both middle grade and picture books and they're very different from each other. And like Aida said, it's a really, it's a, a challenge to create this whole story and develop these characters using very few words. Um, and that's, I kind of enjoy that challenge. And I also like the fact that it's very collaborative. You know, there's, <clears throat> since I don't illustrate, I'm not an artist, you know, the it all, the picture book starts with my words, but it certainly doesn't end there. The illustrator adds a lot to it. And there's a lot of collaboration between me and my editor and the art director and the illustrator. And that's, that's a really fun process, I think, that it's, that it's a, a team putting this whole story together. Definitely. Um, so for me, I studied illustration. I was always a, a visual artist um, and got my master's in it. And um, I started illustrating other people's stories and I was not particularly um, enjoying it as much as I thought I would like. And I was feeling like I wanted to put the words with the pictures. So as soon as it, I was able to do both, it felt like it was a more complete vision. And it was so much fun in deciding what I could show visually versus what I could write with words. Because um, my agent always said it can be like a, depending obviously on the tone of the story, but like your text can be the straight, you know, very dry. And then the visual can be the punch line or that give that really big moment of emotion. Um, so I think because of that, I'm really drawn to the medium I also do write uh, middle grade, early middle grade, um, but it's a completely different mindset. And I love both, but there is something really special about writing for picture books. I just wanted to add, Angela, because you're an illustrator that, um, similar to what Hilda said, I love this idea of the emotional layers that um, I didn't write in the text, but that the illustrator kind of reveals and it always takes me by surprise, like, oh, wow, that light that they used or that little side character that they threw in all of a sudden just reveals other um, layers in the story that was unexpected to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so now our next question, uh, what was your inspiration for your book, Hilda? Uh, my inspiration for my book was actually my own personal experiences uh, from when I was a child. I had, my mom was home full time and I grew up in Washington Heights in New York City, which is where the book takes place. Um, my parents from the Dominican Republic and this is also a Dominican family. And, you know, a lot of kids in the, in the neighborhood had working parents and some of them had to work nights as well. And sometimes I felt a little jealous of all the attention my mom would give these kids because my mom felt very strongly that any child that came into her house had to feel like they were at home. And she was going to treat them just the way she would treat any of her daughters. And she just felt that that was very important. And I understand as I got older, I understood that. And I understood how important that was and how, you know, these poor kids, they were so little and they were spending the night in the stranger's house. Um, but as a child, I didn't really get it. I kind of felt like, oh, why are these kids in my house, in my space, you know, 
taking my mother's attention away from me. And so that was, so this, this girl's, you know, journey from jealousy to empathy was sort of my journey as a child. Um, but I also wanted to tell the kids stories, you know, and show that these kids were, you know, they're real people and they have their own um, emotions and their own desires. And so that's, that's how I came up with the story it was basically, I was just out walking my dog one day and I thought, and I started thinking about these kids that my mom used to babysit for some reason. I don't know what made me think of it. And then I thought, huh, that actually might make an interesting story. Uh, Jackie, do you want to go next? Um, so my inspiration, I'm um, a real fan of TED Talks. Mm -hmm. And I heard an educator share how um, she was making little progress with her students in school. And she asked them to complete a statement on a piece of paper. Um, I wish my teacher knew dot, dot, dot. And she was astonished by their answers. She realized that she couldn't teach to kids who felt sad, who felt scared, who were hungry, who were angry. And she first needed to build this community of, you know, these, this relationship among the whole classroom with the students to each other before she felt they were going to become available to learn. Um, so that um, listening to that just, it was a little soul crushing to hear that, that these kids carry so much emotional luggage in the classroom. And I felt like, you know, we talk about how you can find activism through picture books um, and so this was my way. I was like compelled um, to, to do something, to write a story where I could share what teachers are experiencing in their classrooms and what are the, um, the issues that, are, are, um, that the kids bring into the classroom beyond the academic part, because it isn't just academics in school. Um, I worked as a guidance counselor and I know that it's the social emotional aspect is very relevant if you want to make any strides academically with a kid. So yeah. Wonderful. Um, Aida? Uh, so I was actually uh, uh, called into this project. It wasn't a book that I created weird <coughs> by Alina Chow, but I very much resonated with the vision behind the creation of the book. And that was, um, it, was it was created during a time when um, our former president was, was vilifying immigrants in the media and was using it as, their, as his campaign, um, uh, uh, you know, momentum. And, and it was very difficult to be an immigrant. I was born in Mexico and I was brought over when I was nine months old. And, um, and I was raised undocumented till I was about 13. And so our communities were being vilified. And, um, and Alina Chow's uh, also is an immigrant. She's an immigrant from China. And, and she you know, said, I wanna I want do something to rewrite the narrative, um, to, 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 to do something that, that sheds a positive light on the accomplishments of, of immigrants. Um, not that you know, you, in order for you to be valued as an immigrant, you have to you know, do something great. Um, and that's why we we made sure to kind of like do uh, feature all sorts of different people. We 
fe featured undocumented folks, the Indocu poets. We featured immigrant parents. Um, we featured community organizers and people famous like Yo-Yo Ma, Ma or Ilan Omar. And, and, and so it was like, it was that vision to kind of really kind of present a broad spectrum of a positive narrative, narrative for, of immigrants that, that really kind of, um, that, that resonated with me and, and the reason why I signed on to do this project, so. Lovely, okay, um, Martha? I, um, it wasn't exactly inspiration as it was somebody inspiring me to do it because uh, they needed a book. It, it's, it's kind of a, one of those unusual things that will happen to a writer. I had written a book on lizards. So this library out of the blue from St. Augustine wrote me an email and uh, asked me if I had, uh, if I could advise them on a book about no leaves not just lizards, because my book was all about every kind of lizard, including you know Komodo dragons. They wanted pollinators because it was a garden club. So um, and I looked around, really there was nothing. So I thought, yeah, you know, there's plenty of bees and butterflies, but nothing about certain pollinators like uh, like anoles or dragonflies. Or there is stuff, but not exactly what they were looking for. So I proposed it to my publisher, Ifrig Publishing, who had just published a book called The Nutty Little Vulture that I wrote. And um, I said, I'd I like to try writing a series on pollinators. And she said, okay. <laughs> so one of those is hummingbirds. And, and that's probably one of the most, one of the loveliest of pollinators. So, and I'm a birder also, you know, I go out, on the weekends and look at birds through a binocular. So I've, it's all about um, things I like. This book is just wonderful for me. Great. Uh, for mine, I would say with I Love You Baby Burrito, um, part of it was seeing how my brother, when he brought his children home and seeing that love and that special time of like moment of how precious this new being is and seeing the excitement and the nerves and seeing how like everything feels like it slows down and it's amplified. I wanted to capture that um, emotion and that spirit with the story, just thinking about how to make it kind of, um, it's simple, but convey that moment in, a, in someone's life. And hopefully also if someone has a, a younger child who's welcoming a new, another child into the family, make them realize how special and exciting it is too for the family. Um, so for the next question, um, I'm especially curious for you, Martha, um, how much research and personal experience goes into your writing? As you can imagine, a lot of research. Uh, you have to do a lot of research before you write your first word, at least I do, before I write my first word. And it's never enough. That's the horrible part of it. You just never get enough information. I, you know, I always get uh, a biologist or somebody who's an expert on sometimes on that particular animal to vet it because you can miss things. You know, you as a writer, you can read, 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 and you could read the wrong things or which does happen science changes they've actually had different studies oh it doesn't belong to that category anymore it's this category and you only know that with people who are academics and work with animals uh, on a regular basis 
and it's uh, hard and and um, time consuming. You're probably more so than fiction, unless fiction is based on you know true stories. So I spent a lot of time on it. My own personal life. It seems like I choose uh, I choose animals that um, I have chosen many animals for my books. And I think it's because they're exciting for kids. I know that that's what's happening with the garden club. Plants, gardens, pollinators, it's all very important. But children don't care so much about a book, you know, about gardens. But they do like animals. So that's a way to get to them, to have them love the nature, you know, nature around them that you need to have animals to begin with. So it's, it's really a lot about me that I write about wild animals. And, and um, also, I also have um, a love of, of um, writing and just love getting it out there for these kids and learning. Because every time I write, I never knew anything I was writing about until I started researching. So researching um, animals, because I love the wild wildernesses and animals. It just is all about me. I mean, these books have my fingerprints all over them. Wonderful. Wonderful. Jackie, Jackie, do you want to go, next? Want to go next? Sure. sure. Um, wow, I'm wow. getting an echo. Are you getting that? From me? Am I still echoing? Um, maybe, no? maybe somebody's. Um... Okay, I'm good now. Oh, okay. Okay. You're good, says Abby. <laughs> okay, this is live. Um, so personal, so it's a little bit of both. I write fiction and nonfiction, but even in fiction, um, there is research. So I just wanna share today, speaking of personal experiences in my writing, um, that today I just heard from my agent that a book that, a story that I wrote called I Am Salsa, uh, just got acquired. So, whoop, and that story is about my experience as a little girl when my parents used to throw these pachangas over every weekend, you know, with food and all stuff and family and community and everybody coming. And everyone always danced at these parties. And I was always so nervous when the hand was extended to me to come and dance with someone like a, a Theo or, or whatever, because I was like, you know, I, I can, you know, really jam to like listening to whatever pop music when I was little, but to dance salsa or merengue, just, I got into a deep sweat. So, <laughs> so this story called I Am Salsa is based on a personal experience, along with a story that I wrote with my son that I'm like Marta, very excited that it's called Manolo and the Unicorn. And that was based on um, a person, my son is gay. And when he, and he's out, so I'm not sharing anything that he wouldn't want me to share, but he, um, he, uh, he had an experience at school and he came home and he told me about it. And just recently, you know, it stayed with him. We were talking about it and I said, that's something that so many young children should hear because I know that, you know, they're experiencing this feeling of, of being bullied and being out, being an outsider. Um, and I said, let's do it. So there you have two examples of that. And very quickly, the nonfiction aspect, um, I, this just released Dorothy and Herbert, 
on an ordinary couple and their extraordinary collection of art. Um, that took a lot of research um, it, back and forth, emailing to the National Gallery where their work was completely, this, these two people, um, a postal clerk and a librarian on their salary amassed one of the greatest modern art collections in a tiny little apartment in Manhattan and then gave it all away to the National Gallery. Long and short, um, I got to, finally, we connected with Dorothy Herbert Past. Uh, we met her, I met her, got to talk to her. And as a matter of fact, one of the works is in the original art show coming up at in New York City, the Society of Illustrators and I'm going to the show with her. Um, and my son is actually gonna come with us. So um, it does require that kind of research and doggedness because I had the, um, I really wanted to meet her and talk to her about her experience. So yeah, there's, there's a lot. And Martha, I agree, it's never enough. There's always more. <laughs> uh, Hilda? Well, uh, so far, I've only written fiction. And for my picture book for The Cot in the Living Room, I wouldn't say I did any research. Um, I just used my personal experiences. But even with fiction, um, I think as Jackie said, you do still have to do some research. Because with my two middle grade books, one of them, um, I have a trip to the Dominican Republic. And there's one point where you know the family gets into the car and drives from one town to another and I had to research how long does that take how long does that drive take and you know and her mom make her mom and her sister make her a dress and I don't know anything about sewing so I had to do research about sewing um, and even things that I that I do know about things that I've done before like with my new book Mio Sotis uh, she's filling out a dog adoption application and I adopted my dog 10 years ago. So I pulled up a dog adoption application online and I saw what are the questions that they ask and what are the things that are expected when you're adopting a dog. So even little things like that, just to make your story you know, believable, you're gonna have to do research even if it is 100% fiction. And finally, Aida. Well, for In the Spirit of the Dream, actually, my the two picture books that I have coming out are, are um, um, one is historical fiction and one and these are biographies. So they're both nonfiction. And when you do a biography on any person, you have to really, really research. I did an, an incredible amount. I spent like wonderful moments in my life with these people. Uh, I, I looked for YouTube videos, any interviews, anything that anybody ever said about them. I, I um, followed them on social media. If they had a social media, um, I looked for, you know, hashtags um, all over on all the different platforms. And I, of course, I looked to the library. And then when I, it was possible, I interviewed them and I talked to them. And, um, and so all of these different uh, sources for, you know, uh, uh, first, first hand accounts or secondary sources were all part of, of, um, of getting to the story. But more than anything, I used my poet's imagination and my poet's sensibility to be able to, to connect with the heart of each person and the spirit that they were bringing forward in, in, in life and in their work. And, and that's what I was trying to be able to connect with and to share with readers. So 
it was multi-layered and very, very um, satisfying because I was I was writing outside my lane. Many of these people are. We have a Pakistani uh, uh, surgeon. We have you know uh, an African basketball player. I've never lived that experience. I and I know very little about that experience. So I had to make sure that I was approaching it with humility uh, uh, over what I didn't know and with with a lot of respect. So it can be kind of mixed for me because as an illustrator on the visual side, I have to do a lot of research because I need to kind of know what things look like um, so that it feels like even if I'm stylizing it, I'm, I'm not just drawing it completely from my imagination. That's just not the way that my drawing style is. Um, with my writing, there's always some aspect of it that has personal experience. Um, the most personal experience definitely is the Stella series, just because that's so inspired by my upbringing and um, the speech classes and what is different with that character outside of myself. Although I do care for it much now as like her love of the oceans and the fact that she's an activist and she loves sea creatures and marine animals. So that required a lot of research trying to find those fun facts that would entice a reader, but then also at the same time could possibly be symbols for how she's feeling at a time. So I try to use um, personal experience and research in every project, but it kind of depends what the project is to depend, like how much it's personal experience and how much it is research. Um, so with the next question, um, while children's books can be lighthearted, they can also shed light on big topics and emotions. What themes or topics do you like to include in your work? Jackie, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, so I don't write to specific themes or topics. Um, I'm most interested in stories that share our common humanity. Um, same, same, but different. Um, and stories where the reader can interact with it and ask questions. That said, I am emotionally moved by what kids are experiencing today, very unique and diverse experiences. Um, um, goodness, COVID, um, climate change, social unrest. Um, and my, my hope is to write stories that meet children where they are um, and reflect who they see in the mirror and what they see looking out their window. So like in the case of Estrella in I Wish You Knew, um, she sees in the mirror um, herself who is distressed and sad by where her father is and how much her mother is working and how her little brother has bad dreams. Um, and she sees out her window how at her school, she has a teacher who has made a connection with her and is meeting her with hope and love. So, yeah. Hilda. Um, yes, I think one of the good things about picture books is that they tend to be read to children by adults. And so it's sort of a good avenue to introduce topics that, that maybe could lend themselves for more discussion. 
And I think that there are a lot of different topics that we can all address in these books. And if I look at like the Cotton in the Living Room, for example, um, one of the things that I wanted to show was how, you know, working class families have to make sacrifices sometimes in order to provide for their kids. And the fact that the kids, you know, sometimes pay a price for that as well. And I just, you know, for example, one of the, the kids in, in the book, um, she comes to sleep on the cot in the living room because uh, her grandmother has to work at night cleaning office buildings. And, you know, some for some kids, that's their experience. And I think it's great that they can feel seen when they see that, that there are people like them in a book. And then for other kids, maybe they never thought about that. Maybe, you know, they've gone to their parents' offices for take your children to work day, and it never occurred to them that there's a human being actually keeping these offices clean and that that human being has to come when nobody else is there. And as a result, they can't spend their evenings with their children. So I just feel like, you know, without, you know, sort of beating them over the head with these topics, just just showing it, just saying, you know, here's, here's a real situation. And, um, and it can lead to maybe some questions and maybe they'll say, oh, I, I never thought about that. I never thought that somebody, you know, is cleaning offices at night. Um, so, you know, so, anyway, so I like to, and, and my, my middle grade books, you know, introduce different topics as well. And, and social and economic inequality is one of them. Um, but, you know, a little bit like what Jackie said, I'm, I'm not looking to introduce a particular theme to every single one of my books. I just want to talk about all the things that are out there in the world. Uh, Marta? Uh, you're muted. Oh, sorry. It's okay. Oh, okay. I uh, do write about something that is very important, I think, um, which is the wilderness. We're losing nature uh, in an alarming rate. And of course, every day there's another endangered species on the planet. Um, but of course, you can't make it negative for children. You can't be all alarmed, you know, oh my gosh, look what we're doing. Uh, so instead, I try to show children how wonderful nature is and how we have to keep up with it. And one of the most difficult books I wrote was um, it was called Python uh, Catchers Saving the Everglades. It was because in the Everglades, the exotic pet industry has caused a lot of problems. They've released pets, uh, pet snakes, pet pythons into the Everglades in even neighborhoods. And these things start eating everything inside. They have eaten all the mammals in the Everglades. Now, how do you tell children that in a positive and lighthearted way? Well, my brother have, has some cartoon characters that he used to tell the story about. Look what you know. Look what's happening over there. We thought it was the, a lighthearted way of putting it. But I tried to just in the other books mainly just look how wonderful dragonflies are, look how wonderful hummingbirds are. And if they are inspired, you know, if they have a love for certain animals, they'll have a love for nature. Um, Aida? 
Uh, well, I think that when you are able to tell children the truth, um, they do really well with it. Um, I think kids have a like, very strong moral compass. They know right from wrong. And, and, and my themes are social justice. My themes are peace. My themes are um, kind of getting to, um, to point at the wound of, of, of what happens in humanity in a way that doesn't just disempower them, just doesn't make them feel like they're victims of these terrible circumstances, but that they're, they are um, agents of, of change, that they like they can see other people who have risen above um, difficult circumstances or that they themselves can make a change in their life or in the life around them. So my hope is always that um, that yes, we have to tell the truth, but we shall never leave children without without a, a way out, without a model to to make the world a better place. Um, well, my picture books have a tendency of being lighthearted, especially when I'm the author. Um, I just enjoy kind of more um, empty space with simple text and images. Uh, with the Stella Diaz series. That's definitely where I touch on some heavier themes, um, similar like, you know, immigration and feeling that like when I was a child and even into my adulthood for a little while, just being uh, nervous about speaking about immigration and, you know, knowing other people who were not documented. And I was on my mom's student visa for a long time before we got our green cards when I was 14. And uh, so she was student visa and then work sponsorship. And so and then I finally became a citizen when I was 21 years old. But not a lot of people knew that because they just assumed I was just this girl growing up in Texas and I had the last name Dominguez. Um, so I think for me, I'm trying to um, share these things that I was like afraid of talking about and seeing kids today feeling maybe hesitant of these same things and letting them know that they're seen and letting them know that um, there are a lot of people from many different places that live in this mm -hmm. country and to have uh, pride in themselves more than anything. But um, now we have some really fun student questions and um, I'm excited to see what they say. Out of all the books that you've written, which one is your favorite and why? Ooh, that one's a really hard one. Um, let's see. Does anybody want to go first? I'm not answering that question. <laughs> I, I, I refuse to choose among my children. I'll go. I can go. Yeah, go ahead, Marta. <laughs> okay. Um, actually, I do have a favorite book. Um, I have two favorites, but I'm going to tell you about one of them. One of them is Anoli Invasion. It's about Anoli is a kind of little tiny lizard. And that book, I just don't know, I had the most fun writing it. And I wrote it without suffering. I had already written a book about lizards. So I had all kinds of research already done. So basically, I just sat down and wrote this book. And it was so much fun. And it was used by the Garden Club and the nature detectives for, their, for some program that they have for children in the summer. Because anoles are kind of pollinators. So... Uh, that was that is my favorite book. Great. Uh, does anyone else want to answer? Yes. <laughs> so um, I want to say that um, I'm kind of well. 
here, here's my favorite book, the one that I'm going to write next. Um, so to give you an example of what I mean, it's that feeling of like, you know, the next morning you're going on a special trip, some new adventure, right? You've already been on an adventure maybe last summer, but this summer you're going on a new adventure. And that's how I approach books. To me, it's like, wow, okay, I've got the idea, I've got the inspiration, and now um, the adventure starts. So my favorite book is the one I'm working on next. I love that. I love that so much. Are <laughs> uh, you guys ready for the next student question? Hi, my name is Jalen. I'm 10 years old. How do authors get their inspiration to write books and how long does it take them? Ooh. Well, so we did talk about inspiration. Do you guys want to talk about, um, well, do you all want to talk about uh, how long it takes you to write a book? Does anyone want to go first? I'm, oh, go ahead. Do you want to go? <laughs> okay. Um, I would say it's it really, really varies how long it takes. Um, my very first book, I wrote um, a, a very different rough draft many years ago. And then, um, you know, I, I sent it out, got back some requests for edits. And then my son was born about three weeks later. And then I put it aside for 16 years. And then, and then I picked it up again. And then when I when I revised it and submitted it again, it was maybe like a year. It took maybe a whole a year at that point. Um, but you know that book took a really long time. And you know this book, the Cotton in the Living Room, you know it, it took less time. But with for me at least for picture books, I feel like it's it's a lot of you know it's a lot of trying to condense. The story into fewer and fewer words, and a lot of revision and revision and revision. Um, so it's it's really hard to say. I mean, how how long it would take, and some some take some take longer than others. Uh, so does I anyone? That's okay. Does anyone else want to respond? We have one more question. I just I I will respond. My books don't take me more than a month. That's it. That's all I give myself. And wow. so I'm just, I'm wow. I'm like, I, I wrote, I wrote my impressive. first book in four days. Wow. <laughs> I know, wow. I know well, but, that, but I kind of get like really kind of maniacal about it. And and I'm in the, on the adventure that Jackie talked about. And I'm just so excited and so in love with it. That, that, yeah. That and I'm just going to quickly add to that, that some stories, I agree, are that some stories just drop you know, like a cool CD like that. It's like, I get this story in the mind. And because I'm a visual storyteller, I have to see it like a movie in front of me scrolling first. And then all of a sudden I just write that first draft and boom, I have it. Um, and some take a little longer, some, you know, just it's a work in progress. Yeah. Okay, so the last question is, are Jackie Asua's books about her doing counseling how long did it take for them to make the book? How did they get the idea for their books? So Jackie? Uh, so the question is, how long did it take for me to make the book? I'm assuming um, she may be referring to 
Um, Emiliana, hola Emiliana. She could be referring to both The Boy and the Gorilla, which is a book about a little boy whose mother passes and his grieving process. Um, how long? Uh, I, I would say this story idea literally, I that's sorry, this was a long one. Um, this was based on a true story, a true events, sadly. And uh, when this experience, when I heard of this news, um, I knew I had to write a book for children where they could understand the idea of what death is um, in a more secular way, um, open-ended question. So the book is all done in dialogue. And I literally had to write, illustrator, um, Angela, I had to write all the art notes so that the editor knew what I was envisioning. That one from thinking about the story to when I actually had something to submit took me two years. Um, and that was, a, it was vetted by a therapist and whatnot. So this one took a long time, but, um, and how did I get the idea for that book? Um, based on sadly a true story, yeah. Well, we really have like a minute or two left. So I just want to quickly go around and have you guys mention what's coming up next for you. What's your next book? Um, Martha? The next one I'm writing is uh, called The Sound Collector, and it just won an SCBWI Work in Progress grant. So I hope that it gets published. <laughs> and I am having one published, uh, two actually published in 2022. One is a book on butterflies, and I plan to go to Mexico to see those monarchs wow. because, you know, <laughs> got to do that. And uh, the second one is called Just Wild Enough. It is about, it's a bio, a biography. It's about a former NFL cheerleader who becomes a scientist and discovers a new species. True story. So all my books, they're, they're all still nonfiction. So wow. Great. That's fun. Uh, Hilda? So I'm a little superstitious about talking about anything that's still in draft form. <laughs> so I am working on some stuff, but I'm not going to say much more about it. Um, the only thing that I have that's coming out is actually a short story in Aida's anthology um, on menstruation. Great. Uh, Aida? Yeah, it's our anthology. It's called uh, Calling the Moon, uh, 15 stories of um, BIPOC authors of uh, authors writing about periods. It's really exciting. And her, her story is so beautiful. I can't wait for you to, to read it. So, um, okay, that's coming out in 2023. It got pushed back because of, you know, yeah. drama. But um but then um, I've got a novel coming out next year called A Seed in the Sun with Penguin. And that is um, a, a, a novel in verse about the 1965 great boycott in Fresno that, um, you know, was was led by Dolores Huerta and Cesar Chavez. And, and then I've got... Um, uh, Calling the Moon, and oh, Jovita Wore Pants, the story of a Mexican freedom, freedom fighter coming out. And then I've got um, three more projects that are under contract that, again, I, I can't really talk about yet, but, yeah. but you'll know. It's mm -hmm. very exciting. Uh, Jackie? So I'm really excited about this because these are a lot of firsts for me. I actually wrote it down. But this spring uh, comes out a book called We Are One. And I'm so thrilled because the book has not one, but two illustrators, two 
oh, crazy illustrators, Raisa Figueroa and Nina Mata. Some of you may know who they are, um, but I'm so excited about that. And in 2022, Zumba releases as a picture book, a sing-along, and a video. So that's a first for me. And um, in 2023, I just mentioned that before, my son and I um, uh, wrote a story together called Manolo and the Unicorn, um, illustrated by Zach Mambeck. And so excited about that. And then coming out, I'm not sure on that to be determined. Uh, Karina is the tentative title, illustrated by Lenny Wen. And it's a story that I really love. Uh, again, personal experience. Um, it's about food insecurity wrapped in a story about our universal food connections. And then the one that I just found out about today, I am Salsa. So there you are. Great. Um, so I have the fourth Stella Diaz book it comes out in January. That's Stella Diaz to the Rescue. Uh, I have a bilingual picture book called Tengo Hambre, I'm Hungry, about a dinosaur who's hungry, but he's a picky eater. Um, and then uh, Just Helped, uh, written by Sonia Sotomayor, and that comes out in January. So uh, I just want to thank you all um, for your time and your beautiful words and sharing about your projects. And I want to thank you all and the audience for attending our panel today. Um, and of course, thank you for attending the Latinx Book Festival. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Angela. You're Bye. Welcome. Bye.